0: all right good morning jamie good morning. how are you i'm
1: good i'm good how are you
0: <laughs> good i feel like i start every one of these episodes like just cracking up at myself and us uh, <laughs> <laughs> on Zoom.
1: I know. It just seems I don't know. I guess there's I, I think people like this podcast, but it, it feels so silly us just talking waffling back forth. It does and forth. feel
0: kinda of silly. I hope people like it. If you like it, give it a like or a review or something. That helps <laughs> like, us. Like,
1: review and subscribe. Like, review yeah. and
0: subscribe. My my kids who are they're five and three and they they do not have a YouTube channel. I, I do, you know, I, I post videos of them sometimes if they do something cute. But um they will, like, take their uh, tablets and record little pretend shows of themselves. And they'll be like, hi, everybody. Welcome to the Mahalia show. ooh ooh And that's, like, her theme song. And then at the end of every video, she's like, okay, guys, don't forget to like and subscribe.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God
1: it's so weird (laughs) what is
0: probably not what is the internet
1: doing to a tiny little brain that's what that's what. i know
0: (laughs) but you know then i think about how then i think about how when i was a kid my sister and i used to take our talk boy and make pretend radio shows i did a similar thing the talk boy all the time it's the same thing
1: i used to do i used to have two like cassette player things and i would record on one and then I would press play and talk to myself and then layer it up and rec- by recording on the other one and <laughs> yes, make it l- like crowd, yes. like, completely pointless, you know, but uh, I guess it was early multi-tracking. <laughs> <laughs> early multi-tracking, <laughs> yeah, it was, like, I love stage. It. yeah, it was fun. Uh, oh, speaking of like kids great. and stuff, I know this is a massive name drop, but I literally just got off a Zoom call for the other podcast that I produced for backstage in the envelope, definitely listen to it. Um, with Bella Ramsey, you know, from The Last of Us. Yeah. She was born oh in 2003.
0: God. Of course. <laughs> and, oh, she's
1: incredible. She is, yeah. She's a, she was really great. She's so mature for her age as well. Like when we were talking to her, she was.
0: Oh my God. She's amazing. I mean, even on Game of Thrones, she was amazing.
1: She, when, I can't remember what episode it was, but it was when they were having, they were pledging their allegiance to the North or whatever it was when she was first on screen. And she just like popped immediately, you know. Yeah,
0: I I was like, who is this child?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know
0: exactly who she is.
1: Should we just talk about Game of Thrones?
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, let's just talk about our Formula One. Yeah, okay,
1: fine. Yeah, good. Yeah, vintage Formula (laughs) One. No, today...
0: What are we talking about, Jamie?
1: We are talking about directed sessions, um, from a tech perspective, but also a sort of organisational perspective, performance, but perspective. Yes. Um, we've got some questions to get to. It's a big part of what we do, yeah. so thought we thought we talk about that.
0: So, a directed session. If, if, I mean, just l- like, let's get to super duper basics, quick, quick overview. A directed session is anytime a director is going over what you are recording, you are talking into a microphone and there is a director or someone who's in charge of directing there to help you give the emotion, feeling, delivery that they want for the spot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that could That's be what it is. mainly remote these days, but that could be in studio, that could be re- um, in your own studio, but connecting down the line. Yes. Um, but 99% of the time, if you're not in LA, almost all of the time it is remote these days.
0: Yes. So there are three kinds of directed sessions, I would say. <laughs> One is um, in person, as we have talked about before, where you literally go into a studio and you are there, and your only job is to be the actor. You don't have to do anything else, but do your part and make sure that you have good mic technique, and you're not like eating your microphone or standing so far away that. But they'll help you with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the second kind is a a remote connected directed session. So that means you are connecting via a platform like Source Connect. IPDTL, riverside.fm, connection open, cleanfeed.io, what are the what are other Pro, ones? Session Link Pro, Source Connect Now. Session Link Pro, Source Connect Now. There's a difference. We can talk about that in a second. So in those cases, you in your studio are connected to an engineer in their studio somewhere else in the world, and they are taking the high fidelity audio feed that comes from your studio and capturing it on their end in their studio. Oftentimes, you will also be connected to directors or clients on some kind of a Zoom call, which hopefully they patch you into the Zoom call. If not, that can get really annoying with echoes and all all sorts of stuff. But you are not 100% responsible for recording on your end, although they will encourage you nine times out of 10 to record a backup on your end locally. Yeah. And the third kind of directed session is when you are connected to a client via Zoom or on the phone or on Skype or on Google Meet or on Microsoft Teams or something, but you are recording all of the files on your end in your studio. Yeah. And then you send them the files after the fact.
1: Yeah. Right?
0: That covers it, right?
1: Yeah. Do you remember your first directed session?
0: My first remote directed session? Any kind of
1: directed (laughs) session. Oh, okay. The remote one stands out. Okay. Let's hear about that.
0: (laughs) I actually talked about it maybe in the last episode, but I'll I'll tell the story again. I auditioned for this job on Voice123 that was like, we want to do a directed session. And I was like, sure, that's fine. I was in my I was at my parents house, not perfect audio quality because i like made a makeshift booth on top of a desk in my old childhood bedroom. And they were like, we want to record you. And I was like, Well, like we want to direct you while you're recording. I had done lots of voiceover jobs before then, but I had never done one where they were where I was recording live. I had no idea about takes. I had no idea about anything. And I didn't know what the job was because it was kind of secret on the uh, job posting. Well, it turns out it was for the game Halo. Yeah. And it was it was to explain gameplay and explain how the, the video game worked, not to be in the game. But there were six different people from Microsoft on that call directing me. And I had no clue what I was doing. Yeah. I was recording in GarageBand. I had only ever exported an MP3 before. I didn't even know that you could ex- export in Wave. I did not know the difference between mono and stereo. <laughs> I was recording into a Yeti Pro blue microphone, blue Yeti Pro microphone. <laughs> <laughs> they were directing me and I was like, okay. And luckily the script was okay enough that it, it wasn't super hard and I didn't have to mess with my gain and all of that stuff. But uh, I, it was terrifying. What about you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mine, it wasn't, I mean, it was terrifying just because it was new. But the first one I did it was actually an in-studio, but it was also a remote because they were connecting via, from, from Europe, I think they were calling in and I was the talent in New York. And it was for JW Marriott and it was for like a staff training thing. and. It was kind of weird because I was in the studio and it was at Dubway Studio. Did you ever go to Dubway when it was in Midtown? Yeah, I went to Dubway a lot. Yeah. yeah.
0: I never went in Midtown. I only went like in the southern Manhattan.
1: I want to say it might even have been in the Lotus building. You know that sort of flatline actually so I guess it's not Midtown. Mm-hmm. Um anyway, it was it was around about there. That's then. Midtown? Yeah, yeah. And um the engineer was like <laughs> sat next to me and I had, and we were sort of in a small little B room, you know, of the studio. But yeah, it was it was really, really stressful, <laughs> you know, having someone listen live. I was so used to just you know, I was on the online marketplaces, I would they would set, send the script, I would record it, I would send it back. It was nice to go, oh well, someone's handing all the tech and I don't have to worry about that. But yeah, it was a little nerve wracking, but it was fine. I remember actually it had a window in the studio and I'd arranged to meet Kate, my wife, in the park afterwards for um, Shake Shack so I was Mm -hmm. just thinking about oh I'm gonna get Shake Shack in half an hour (laughs) that was my that was my motivation (laughs) but um, yeah it was it was fine it was stressful but
0: the whole the whole Marriott employee thing was like I'm gonna get Shake Shack exactly (laughs) yeah Yeah, yeah. when you fill out your company profile (laughs) be sure
1: (laughs) yeah they could hear the salivation you know that's not a word salivating yeah Um, but you can almost see it through the window I was window. yeah directed sessions it took me I guess quite a few before I felt like started to get comfortable in them because there is a lot of pressure I think whether you're going to a studio whether you're doing it at home because you know I found I um I have this regular project where I record for a company in Australia and it it's it's a gig every week. Um, but it just so happened last week, they couldn't do the live sessions, So they asked if I could just record on my own. And I was like, yeah, sure, great. That's easier. And so I recorded it. But just without that little extra bit of adrenaline, I was noticing that I was stumbling a lot more than in my sessions. And mm-hmm. uh, I thought, oh, that's interesting that that little extra layer of focus really ups your game a little bit. Do you find that? Do you like that extra yeah, pressure? Yeah,
0: for sure. For sure. Yeah, I can get through. I mean, I'm a fast recorder anyway. Um, but what I like about directed sessions is that once we're done with the session, they have told me every single thing that they wanted to say, and uh, they're not going to come back with like 17 email revisions that Yeah. Are, like... Hi, so thank you so much for these four takes of this, you know, two-minute script. Um, unfortunately, we really want it to be, you're, like, too nice and conversational. We really need it to be more informational and clinical. Yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> and if we had been in a directed session, they could have told me that within the first, like, after the first take. Yeah. And then we could have just gone from there, and it would have saved so much time. So... I know there are people that charge extra for directed sessions. Sometimes I feel like it's easier to do a directed session than it is to do sessions on your own. Although trying to schedule time is sometimes tricky. Yeah, That's the one thing is that you have to have everybody who has to be there available at that time and there on the call. Whereas if you just say like, oh, I'll just record a few takes on my own, I can literally record it at 11 p.m. if I felt like it.
1: And sometimes it's not even the performance. Sometimes they'll hear you say something and they'll want to change the script a little bit in the session. But if that had been a pre-record, that would be now a pickup session, which is just, you know, annoying. Yeah, I think I've had clients where (laughs) I could sort of tell in the preamble with us back and forth, they're going to be difficult. So I've suggested, do you just want to hop on Zoom while we do this or hop on the phone while I record this so that we can really make sure, like if it's clear they don't know what they want, And they're sending over a whole bunch of conflicting adjectives as to what they want. I will actually try and try and steer them into a directed session because that makes it happen a bit quicker.
0: What is your workflow when you are acting as both voice actor and engineer, meaning you're on a Zoom call with the clients Mm -hmm. and you are recording locally? And my questions are to you, do you just hit record and let it run? and just call out takes and then if they want just takes you cut out all the bad the, all the talking in between et cetera, et cetera, and send them that do you suggest to them like oh let's do one full take through the script and then we can go line by line or whatever what is your workflow
1: well yes to one um i do just press record and record the whole thing and then Sometimes they don't even want to have the chatty bits chopped out because, you know, they really keep they like start the clock from the beginning when I say record and then they keep notes as to things throughout the whole session. That's not common, but sometimes that is the case. Generally speaking, I will just default to recording and then spending, I don't know, 10-15 minutes at the end just clearly isolating the takes because they look so different on the waveform, <laughs> you know. It's pretty quick and easy to do in terms of how we record if they don't come out and just say oh we'd like you to do a run through and then we'll do abcs of each line i'll say i'll just ask the question how would you like me to do this would you like me to read it all the way through did you want to just do a paragraph by paragraph i'm happy to do it whichever way you you'd prefer and if they're like not sure i'll depending on the kind of a script i'll make the call on what i think is the best what about you
0: I like to manipulate people into thinking that what I want them to do is their idea.
1: <laughs> Brilliant.
0: So regardless of regardless of who's recording the session, if they get into if we get into the session and they're like, "Okay, so how should we do this?" I will probably ask a question to them that is like oh, well, do you think that maybe the script would flow better if we do a few full takes? Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then they're like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea, Karn. Great. So let's do a few full takes first. And I'm like, great. Oh, actually, this is a 15. Do you think that it would be quicker if we did just an ABC just to get into it of the 15? Yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, great. Because the more you can, for me anyway, the more we don't chop up a script, yeah. the faster the entire session is and the more cohesive and uh, connected and in the moment the read sounds. Yeah. And the better I feel feel about it, honestly. So if I have a client that's like, um, you know, oh, this is like a one and a half minute script. Let's just take it box by box. I know that I don't want to do that. If they absolutely need me to do that, then fine, we'll do it. I don't want to take it box by box. I would much rather read the entire minute and a half script and then have them give me notes on the things that they didn't like. Like, let's do four takes. You know, we'll talk about we'll talk about after the first take and go on to the next one, go on to the next one. Let's do that rather than line by line for the start. And like my brain hasn't even caught up to what's happening at the end of the script because we're just spending so much time going through the first three lines. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So <laughs> that's what I do. But I actually um, I stop and start all my takes. Uh, all the time, always stop and start takes because that's what I do when I'm recording on my own.
1: Mm.
0: And um, it just makes it, if I do the same thing for every single session that I do, it makes it automatic and i don't mess up even when i'm recording a backup i stop and start takes yeah because i don't want to get in a situation where i'm i'm thinking that the recording's rolling because i'm just like not thinking and it's not rolling
1: <laughs> you know yeah see i'm paranoid about the recording stopping for whatever reason or if there is a power cut while it's recording you it doesn't auto save when it's in record Mm -hmm. mode. Um, But just talking about it, maybe you want to do it like I'm in a booth where the glass door to my left looks straight out onto my main computer. So I don't have it Mm -hmm. on the screen in front of me. I just use that for the Mm, script. Okay. So I've just got this big pink bar in my peripheral vision that Mm -hmm. as long as I can see pink in my peripheral vision, I know we're recording and we're good.
0: Yeah. And I have it right in front of me. So, and I'm, I stop and start takes as I go so that, at the end when they want the file i literally just select all and export or mm. if they're like send us all the individual takes they're there already and yeah. i can batch export each individual take by itself yeah. labeled according to the take number and then send off each individual take and it takes literally just the time to export yeah so that's that's good what's your, i like that
1: what's your po- you know when you've done run through the script And then you go through, let's say they say, okay, it's sort of like a page, page and a half, something like that. And then they want you to give ABCs of each section, each line. What is your policy on the variation of those ABCs? Do you have a policy on that?
0: That's a really good question. I like to at least give one take that's quicker. Mm. So I usually give one that's the take that I think they want one that's the take that's slightly different or the take that is the take that I want to give and one take that's slightly faster. Yeah. And if you just keep to that, and then they're like, oh, thank you for giving us so many variations. Like usually, so for example, if it's the final line of a script, I'll usually end it, I'll usually do like, you know, because every day we make the world a better place. And that's that'll be the first one. And then because every day we make the world a better place. And then, because every day we make the world a better place. Yeah. So it's like, those are the three variations. Yeah. And they're not that different. And that was my, like, announcer voice. I was trying to exaggerate <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, I, whatever I commit to with the first line, I try and do it in the same order, in the same way each time. Usually I'll do a faster one, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then the other two, just depending on what feedback I've got. So maybe if they're trying to encourage me to brighten it up, I'll go for a really bright, a really perky one, and then I'll just do a conversational one. So it'll be fast, bright, conversational, and then I'll do that three for every single line. Mm -hmm, So they mm -hmm. could piece a full conversational read, a full fast read, and a full bright read. Um, Should we talk about the tech real quick? Yeah. (laughs) You don't sound super excited. You know
0: what? Before we talk about the tech. Okay. Let's talk about the pandemic and how that affected the
1: tech. Oh, okay. Sure. Why not?
0: Because up until March 13th of 2020, some of us were doing a lot of directed sessions at home. Some of us were doing half at home, half in studio. And some of us were doing only in studio. Yeah. and if you were doing some directed sessions at home, you may or may not have had Source Connect, a program called Source Connect, which is a high fidelity audio connection platform that uh, connects you to, you know, another studio. And if you had Source Connect, you were kind of seen as like somebody who knew what they were doing, because you have to pay for it. You have to pay like six a six hundred dollar one time fee or like thirty-six dollars a month if you want the the monthly license. There was a real stigma against I think I feel <laughs> voice actors who did most of their work from home. They were somehow by a lot of voice actors who worked only in studio seen as like lesser.
1: Pre pandemic.
0: And pre pandemic. Yeah pre-pandemic, I went to like a few different voiceover mixers and talked to people who they were like, oh, so like, what have you, you know, what what do you do? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I did this thing from home. And they're like, oh, well, that's not a real job. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? This is like a national TV commercial. And they're like, well, but you know, it's not, I mean, real jobs record in the studio. And they're just like, oh, come on. Um, But after the pandemic, everybody had to move to being at home. yeah. and those people who already had a really great home studio setup and some kind of uh, source connect or knowledge working knowledge of using IPDTL or an IPDTL account or even at the start of the pandemic, people were still doing ISDN. And ISDN Bridges, I had a couple ISDN such se- sessions, which now ISDN doesn't really exist anymore, no. so don't even worry about it. No, we won't if you go don't know there. what it is, don't worry. So it, it made a lot of those people that had to record in the studio all the time really have to get their studios together and immediately learn all of this tech.
1: Yeah. And one of the problems with recording at home and live is that you can't mask any problems in your space because Mm -hmm. essentially the feed from your microphone, that cable is going into your computer via an interface and that is plugging straight into whoever you're working with system. There's nothing in between to like mask any problems, no noise reduction gates. Well, you could put a gate in there, but that would be a bad idea. Um, Any of those things, a big no-no live. So having a connection service is only one piece of the puzzle, really. Um, so you have to have a great space. You have to, have to be in a place where there's not too much in terms of noise interruption. It doesn't have to be perfect. Like, obviously, ideally, you'd be in a sort of lead-lined space with six, you know, meters of concrete around you and, you know, living in the middle of a field. And that's great. That would be ideal. But that doesn't exist for most people. Um <laughs> In the middle of a field. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) I don't even know if you could do that because what's the internet like in the field? In the middle of a field.
1: (laughs) I know we're jumping around here. Let's just talk about internet real quick because you don't need a particularly amazing speed of internet to connect. No. Because the data is quite, there's not that much data when you're sending an audio stream, um, but you do need reliable, stable internet. That would be the difference. Um, But anyway, so, you know, the, the whole infrastructure needs to be in place for that to be an effective session. So when people at the start of the pandemic, it wasn't just a case of them going, oh, well, I'll just start paying 30 bucks now and plug my USB in. They had to have the studio in place or the booth in place, which caused a lot of problems for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because if you live in a place like New York City, you're not in a field. <laughs> no. It's not, it's not a naturally quiet place. Um, and I used to live in New York city and, um, my first studio was a closet, which I converted, um, which basically, you know, it didn't seal shut it, it there. You, if I closed the door, you could still, if people were walking around and it was in the front of my house too, it was like right by the front door. So if anyone rang the doorbell or if people were in the living room or if the children were in the house somewhere, yeah. it was like really hard to to work. And then also in my first uh, booth, I had a big pipe that went down yeah. the middle of my like one of the corners of the of the closet. And so anytime someone was taking a shower, mm. it was like in another apartment, I could hear the water flowing in the pipe. Yeah. So, and it would be like, that doesn't work. <laughs> so, um, yeah. but luckily during the day, during working hours, most people are at work and not taking showers. During the pandemic, that wouldn't have worked. Luckily, a few months before the pandemic hit, I got a, an amazing Studio Bricks booth, which I absolutely love, which um, blocks out all... Coco Melon and Dora the Explorer, <laughs> um, as well as children, children yelling in another room. Uh, but you know, even even a really great booth doesn't block out everything. No.
1: Well, I had a booth in New York, and we were on the Upper East Side, and it was you know pretty quiet neighborhood. But we lived almost directly above a Dwayne Reed, and when the delivery truck would show up, and it would just sit there with its engine idling it would just vibrate the whole building and there's just nothing you can do about that. Like you could high pass a little bit, like drop block out some of the ultra low frequencies, you know, so I was just a nervous wreck. When is this truck going to show up? Like it could literally show up almost any time of the day. Any time. Yeah. Yeah. I've tried to troubleshoot things like that with people in the past and they're like, well, how do I do live sessions? I live near JFK. I was like, well, you're going to have to move. (laughs) I'm sorry to say. Honestly,
0: sometimes, yeah. Sometimes your situation just does not work with a directed session. Now what what would you what advice would you give to someone who has noise problems in their home um, when it comes to doing directed sessions?
1: Well, it depends what kind of noise it is and there's a lot of stuff that you can do to mitigate that. Figuring out the kind of noise and where it's coming from is sort of the main thing to tackle here. Um, If it's sound coming from inside the house, you're going to have to negotiate with your flatmates, with your family. You know, I know people record in their basements and they have to turn the AC off or the heating off when they're recording. You just have to say, sorry, kids, you've got to put on an extra sweater today, (laughs) put a scarf on whilst watching the TV. You know, also, oh, the other thing that would make perfect sense is to choose a place in your home even if it maybe is a little inconvenient, that is as far away from those sound sources as possible. So if you have a room that is two rooms away from a neighbor that likes playing the trumpet or something, <laughs> try and figure out a space in the room as far away, We you know, with a couple of walls and some air gaps in between. Also get to know your neighbors, get to know the people that are causing the problems and just be nice. I know I saw someone on Facebook the other day give out, what was it, like... Barnes and Noble vouchers or something like that. Like they had a bunch that they could just give out. Say, can I give you one of these in exchange for, you know, shutting up for 30 minutes or something? Um, uh, this, I don't know. Just be creative. Try, try and figure out where the yeah, sound yeah. is coming from and mitigate it as much as possible and scheduling wisely. What about you? What, what would you say?
0: So there was a point in my building in New York where they were uh, repointing the bricks, which basically means they're jackhammering yeah, They were jackhammering for, I think it was six months Ugh. because I lived in a huge building and it takes forever. So I went downstairs when this started and I asked them, what time do you start? What time do you take your lunch? What time do you finish? Mm. So they started at 7 a.m. and I was on the East Coast. So that was not going to work for sessions. They took their lunch break from 12 to one thirty, And this was a uh, a union job, right? The builder's union or whatever. So they had a scheduled lunch break that, and they had set hours every single day. So 12 to 1.30, I knew that they were gonna have to stop work and eat lunch. Yeah, And then they finished every day at four. And sometimes they would finish a little early, like 3.30. So I knew that if I wanted to schedule a session, I had every single day at noon and four. Yeah. So I just told my clients, I can schedule a session at noon or I can schedule a session at four. Or if you want me to go to a session or if you want me to to record any other time, there's this great studio in New York, it's called Lotus Productions. (laughs) (laughs) And I will go there and do a session with you any other time of the day. And that's what I did. I scheduled at noon at four and I went to Lotus for anything else that anyone needed. Yeah. And then my own stuff I recorded between jackhammering (laughs) and and or at night when they stopped. Yeah.
1: And if you're not in a major city, but you have a friend who has a studio who's also a voice actor, maybe you can be kind of studio buddies. And, you know, if there's a big meltdown happening in your place, you can come and borrow their studio and, you know, you can be the same for them. That might work out.
0: And, like, occasional noises, I don't think clients really... No.
1: I've recorded in studios in New York, million-dollar studios, and we had to stop because a a fire truck drove by blaring its horns. Yeah. Like, it happens. Yeah. It happens, you know. It
0: happens. Totally happens. So if it happens to you, just be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. My dog, I don't know how she got in this office. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just take her outside. She's barking at something. And then they're like, oh, what kind of dog do you have? And I'm like, I don't even know. She's like some kind of mixture of something. Oh, mine too. And then we have solidified our business connection over our dogs. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's taking a 20 second break. Like I I live near Trenton Airport and it's a very quiet airport. There's not a lot happening. There's the occasional private jet. So I'm, I always say that Beyonce is interrupting me when, when we're recording sometimes. Actually, also, it shows professionalism to say, oh, holding for sound waiting a second just to make sure that they're getting a perfectly clean recording. You're on it. The engineer probably might be hearing it down the other end, but you're also yeah. aware of it.
0: Yeah. If it's like constant noise, I might be annoyed. At that oh,
1: person. for sure. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Short little burst event of noise. That's just life. We live in a noisy world. Um, can I finally now talk about the tech, please?
0: All right, let's talk about the tech.
1: All right, so you alluded to it before. The the main connection service that people use now is Source Connect. And the reason why that is so popular is that it's very stable and the audio connection is uh, reliable. It doesn't necessarily sound any better than any of the other ones, but the tech means that that, that is much more reliable. It doesn't mean also that it doesn't screw up every now and again, but uh, on the whole, uh, it's very reliable. And the reason why that is, is that when you send data through the internet, they call that data packets, packets of information. And when Source Connect sends data from your system to the receiver, it sends that in a packet. Then that person who's receiving that packet sends a note back to you, to your system saying, yep, yeah, we've received it. And it says, send another one. And If it doesn't receive it and there's a gap, it'll say, oh, no, send that packet again. Well, I didn't receive it. So it sends that packet again. So it guarantees that it can reconstitute that recording pretty consistently without blips and gaps in the recording. So it does introduce a little bit of a lag and it doesn't necessarily sound so much better than any other service, but it is almost like guaranteed data the other services which are sort of browser based, so Source Connect Now, IPDTL, CleanFeed, SessionLink Pro, all those kind of things we talked about earlier, your computer is firing packets of data out and the other person is receiving it and hopefully receives all of that data. Which is good because it can mean there's less of a delay, it's just you know, a much quicker connection. But if there's any little blip between your computer and their computer and it could be halfway around the world, tough luck that's gone so um that's why professional sessions are generally done over source connect standard
0: which is the paid version of source connect and source connect now is free to use but it does not connect to source connect standard Yep. and if you say i have source connect but you mean source connect now you you're lying (laughs) yeah <laughs>
1: because,
0: yeah. Without knowing it, hopefully. Because when people ask you, when people say must have Source Connect, they mean must have a paid version of Source Connect.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And the reason why Source Connect is the one that is used most often, um, honestly, besides it being very good, is that it was first and very good. And people adopted it first. So when Sessions started moving to remote, Source Connect was something that people were already using. And so it made sense for just more people to use it. It was kind of known in the industry and people, you know, so at the start of the pandemic, when everything went remote, it was like, oh my gosh, okay, we have this. We already know what to do. And for those of us who had Source Connect and who had been using it for a long time, we saw a huge increase in work. Because studios that had worked with us before knew that we had, you know the, the studio and the connection software to be able to make a session happen. Mm. So um, I like IPDTL too.: Yeah,
1: I think there's some great alternatives to Source Connect, and um, you know, other than the thing of, you know not guaranteeing packet loss, you know, um, they can be fantastic.:
0: The other thing is, I really want a mute button.: Yeah, for my end, <laughs> the same way that you can mute on Zoom. I would like a mute button for Source Connect, because when we've gone through four or five, six takes and they're like, okay, we're just going to send our favorite takes over to the client for approval. Can you just hang on for a second? And I'm like, okay. And then it's like five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. What I would love is to be able to mute my Source Connect so that I can open up my emails and look at all my auditions and record some auditions while I'm waiting. And then when they say, okay, we're back, I can unmute myself on Source Connect <laughs> so that I'm not just sitting there waiting, not doing my work. Yeah, That's what I want.
1: Yeah. Apparently, and if I just mute way. my
0: mic, I can't do that.
1: Yeah. Apparently, it, well, I don't know for sure it's on the road, but we, we do know that uh, Source Elements are working on something like that and working on a big update. So it doesn't seem like a Big thing. Fingers crossed, Source Connect.
0: (laughs) Source Connect, if you were a listener of this podcast, (laughs) that would just make my life so great. Um, Why do we have to do Source Connect tests?
1: Well, for the reasons that we outlined before with people's lackluster setups. (laughs) Um, A lot of people at the start of the pandemic said they had home studios and really didn't. And so a lot of sessions went ahead and it was apparent very quickly in these sessions that these voice talent did not know what they were doing. The audio sounded dreadful. So I think it scared a lot of clients into working with people's home studios outside of the people that they're used to working with. So now it's just studio test after studio test before every project. I've done it for studios that... I've worked with previously and I'm like we've done this before but it's just the nature of the job I guess I always thought that it would be nice to have a sort of studio approved badge that like you almost guarantee they have that
0: with Source Connect they have that with Source Connect and yeah. you can take a you can take a um a course that gives you like the Source Connect certified badge but I posted this in a group the other day and a bunch of people, including engineers, were like, eh, I would probably need to do a test anyway because, like, the other thing that, that happened that we haven't talked about yet is that engineers used to be in a studio. yeah, And during the pandemic, they could not go to their own studio anymore. So they had to do a lot of these sessions from home. And so not only were they testing your connection, they were also testing their own connection to Source Connect and their own ability to capture the audio and route it into a Zoom or route it into a yeah. Teams or route it into whatever so that you can hear the director and the director can hear you. And so that's why a connection test is necessary. There's also like people start a session and their mic is turned around the wrong way.
1: Can I also suggest (laughs) that people do an echo test before every session or at least, you know, majority one? That's what I do just because every now and again, some kind of preference might get nudged. Some file might get moved. And all of a sudden what is normally set up is no longer the case. Like your input changes from Input one to input two, and you're like, what the hell? It, on Source Connect, for example, you can do what's called an echo test, where you essentially connect with yourself and it loops you out to their server and sends it back to you like one second later. And if you can hear yourself in perfect clarity, it means that the person you're working with will hear yourself in perfect clarity. And I have on occasion saved myself because I could, I'm expecting to hear my echo and I, oh, no, something's wrong. And I go and check the inputs, make sure it's the right input and stuff. And then we're good. You can also do a similar thing with IPDTL. There's also like a, a, a tone that you can play to yourself on IPDTL. But yeah, that, that's just a little um, a thing to nix any problems potentially before they occur. Uh,
0: tell me about port mapping.
1: Oh God, I'm not an expert on port mapping. You have to go. So IP um sorry, Source Connect requires you to go into your router software and essentially assign. I don't know the ins and outs of it, as you can probably tell.
0: Basically, here, here here's the here's the basic gist of it. If you want to use Source Connect, you have to me, you have to make sure that your internet allows you to send data out and receive it back. And sometimes at the point of your router, you don't have permission to do that. So you have to go in and fix it so that you can do that. Yeah. And it's a little bit complicated. And the best way to do it, in my opinion, is to get on with uh, Source Elements who own Source Connect customer service, have them remote take over your computer and open your ports for you. If you do it once, you should it should be open but this is something to consider if you if you travel mm. um, because in your home studio great you have your ports opened and it's fine and that works with your one source connect license but if you t- are taking your source connect license on your computer to another place and trying to use source connect in another place where you haven't mapped and opened the ports then it might not work. Like it might not work on on hotel Wi-Fi and it might not work on your grandma's Wi-Fi when you go there for Thanksgiving and it might not work, you know. So like every time you go to a new place with your one license, you have to be sure that the ports are mapped.
1: Yeah. Or it might work. <laughs> that's the Or it might work. <laughs>
0: and if you use a browser base, yeah, or it might work, your ports might just be automatically open. Or it might work for no reason. I know, sometimes, I,
1: I forget what it's called, UMP slash something. Sometimes that the ports aren't mapped, but it works anyway. It goes through source stream or something. Yeah, Like, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. you know, I don't really know the ins and outs of it, but I know that it's worth just spending that, 10 minutes trying to figure out how to map your ports. And it's confusing because every router software is different and you have to go in and just select which channel, blah, blah, blah. I forget the details, I did ages ago. But um, it is actually probably worthwhile figuring out how to do it and writing yourself some notes. Because again, if something gets reset, if your router settings get reset for whatever reason, you can go back in and do it again yourself in a pinch. But yeah, and that's not an issue for anything browser based. No, none of those require you to map your ports.
0: Yeah, IPDTL, Session Link Pro, those you you don't have to map your ports. It's just source connect.
1: What other things do you do during a live session? Um, are you taking notes? Uh, how do you mark up scripts? You know, scripts? yoga. Yeah. Auditioning <laughs> for other projects while you're t- <laughs> waiting. Auditioning
0: for, for other projects while I'm oh, waiting. Oh, speaking for of which, can projects. I just
1: sidetrack real quick? How annoying is it when you have to hear your own voice being like? Oh, yeah. When when they're
0: they're editing (laughs) and they haven't muted you or they haven't muted their feed to you. I just want to
1: smash my face into a wall when I'm hearing my voice like that. But anyway, yeah, marking up scripts, taking notes, remembering people's names. What about all that stuff? Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, so what I do is I typically just read the script from the preview in my email. I don't even download it. But if I do download it because it's only because I need to mark it up and I open it in in uh preview and then if I need to rewrite anything I I like to have the original script there and to just use and to just use um all of the marking tools as I would a pencil or you know a highlighter or whatever so I have my script on my computer and if they say oh can you cross out that line and like just make sure that it's you know, it says like you know off instead of half off. So I'll cross out half off and then I'll open up a little tiny text box and I'll write 50% above it. And then I see 50% off. But then I have the original there so that if they're like, oh, actually, we don't like that. Go back to the original. I haven't deleted it, Yeah. you know? So I just treat it like it was paper in front of me and just use the tools. And then if I need to rewrite a whole sentence, I can open up a text box and just type in the whole sentence and just put the text box right there next to it. And it works well. Hmm. I like it.
1: Sounds good. What do you do? Um, I copy it into a, like a doc, like a word doc. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a whole like markup thing that I am used to. And Of course
0: you do, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Italics, <laughs> underline, bold, dot, dot, dot for spaces. You know, like I have a whole thing that I can just, for shortcuts, just mark up the script super quick and yeah. rewrite things as needed. And yeah, if we have to go back to the beginning, I just reopen the file from my email <laughs> and just go back to the original. But, yeah, I like to do it that way. I, I It looks too messy to me to on a PDF. Obviously, sometimes if it's like the dreaded storyboard or something and you can't do that, oh, um, and it's like 0. 0. 0.1 <laughs> font. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, these are you know, first You're world like, problems.
0: <laughs> side effects include headache, nausea. <laughs> Upset stomach, scroll scroll. scroll, 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 scroll and death. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Side note, like how can a side effect be death? <laughs> I know. Like and it's literally a side effect in so many, so many drugs. It's like side effects include like headache, nausea, upset upset stomach, dizziness, and death. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> uh, well if you ever read those my god uh, what are they isis is that what it is or what's that yeah isi um,
0: important safety information and
1: you know they're they're often like it's nausea medicine but some of the side effects are like extreme nausea, <laughs> nausea. <laughs> yeah.
0: i know or the depression medication where the su- where the side effect is is suicidal thoughts yeah. that's horrible yeah because like that's not a medication i mean maybe it is medication that you want to take i don't know but why is the side effect the same as the condition you're treating?
1: This is why we're voice actors and not scientists. <laughs> it's true. It's true.
0: Oh, that's actually a good, that's a good question for you, Jamie. What do you do when you have a really hard word to say in a live directed session? Do you prepare in advance? Yes. Do you say it over and over again? And then so it becomes second nature?
1: When I practice it, I try and say it really fast. <laughs> um mm-hmm so that you know, I get my teeth around it for when we actually do this session. I've got a thing where sometimes if I get hung up on a word, looking away from the script and not looking at the word
0: oh, helps interesting. me
1: say it more naturally. Huh. I don't know why. Maybe it's just a, a Jamie quirk. But if I'm not reading it, sometimes it just flows a bit better because I am I think if I'm looking huh. at it, I'm thinking of the structure of it rather than just having it flow out in a sentence. Um yeah. But that's sometimes if that's not even a complicated word. Sometimes, you know, we get stuck <laughs> for some reason say, on a digital. Yeah, digital.
0: Digital. Digital. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, say digital. did digital? Digital. Digital.
1: I would say digital. D-
0: digital. <laughs> Do you ever have a moment where you know the hard word is coming and then you're like, blah, 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 brachiocephalic, and then you get past it and you go, oh, I did it. And then you mess up the next word. <laughs> yes.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and you mess up like until. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. Like, oh, 100%. You have a little celebration in your head. <laughs>
0: You're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I did it. Ah,
1: oh, dang it. <laughs> and you have to do the whole thing again yeah oh my god that's i'm so sure true.
0: that happens to like premier athletes too like when you like when you're doing like bmx biking or something like you make a jump and then you go down and then you just like slip yeah in a random exactly. flat place yeah and
1: then you'd like trip over <laughs> on the way up to the like podium you're like or i did it or- <laughs> yeah. um what about oh, um with difficult scripts something i force myself to do is look ahead is that something you mm-hmm. do? It's it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't yeah. feel natural, but when you do it, it does make read sight reading so much easier. Mm-hmm. To glance ahead while you're reading the current word that you're on. Is that something you do?
0: Yeah, I I I pride myself in my cold reading abilities. Yeah, same. Too. I think it comes from audiobooks because when you, I mean, even when you prepare for an audiobook. You read the whole thing, but you're not gonna remember every single sentence of the book. So a lot of it is even though you know the story that's coming, it's cold reading mm. pretty much. You've read through it, but you haven't memorized the whole book. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't, you know, so so um I think that's I think that's why I'm I'm good at cold reading. But yeah, looking ahead helps often.
1: What is it about reading something through once or twice that makes it so much easier to read it? in a session because you're not I like because, you say you aren't remembering it
0: yeah i think it's because your brain naturally um compartmentalizes things so like if you know if you know like you can see okay we're starting with the opening of the commercial then we get into the meeting of the commercial then there's the offer and then there's the closing you can see that by just glancing at it hmm. you know and once you know that structure exists in your mind, you know how you know automatically how to color each phrase and which which parts should end up and which parts should end down and, and kind of the overall feeling of the tone of the commercial, et cetera, et cetera. Your brain goes to the words that are hard.
1: I find that long scripts, having read through it once or twice, I don't know, maybe I'm retaining some of it, some context yeah, of where sure. everything is. Definitely. But for some reason it really does help if you have a, you've read it through at least one one time through. Oh. <laughs> just for the listeners, Karin's webcam just went all askew for a second.
0: It went wonky. <laughs> it was like I like I landed a BMX jump and yeah. I slipped on the
1: flat part. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, all right, let's go to some questions. questions. Yeah. Your graphic was very impressive for this, by the way. It was great.
0: Thank you. I love this graphic um, because in the picture, I don't know if you've seen it, everyone, Um, (laughs) but this graphic that we put in our Facebook group is this woman in a directed session, like just really feeling herself, like she's doing a great job and she's on Zoom and everyone on the Zoom call is not happy (laughs) (laughs) with what she's doing. <laughs> yeah, they're like okay. Well, and there's I one like, woman I with a bag on her like, head. <laughs> yeah, especially like the woman with a bag on her head, and it's smiling, but we don't know what her real expression is underneath the paper bag.
1: <laughs> Cringing. That's why she's got the bag on her head. Um, Rachel Leah Hoffman. Is anyone still charging extra for directed sessions?
0: So okay. So yes and no. I would say there is a thing where, you know, if you do a directed session, you can charge a session fee. That's a thing that exists because you're taking they're taking your time and you can charge an hourly session fee. That's different from the the usage fee, Mm. shall we say. So, yes, maybe. I don't necessarily if a client says I want to do a directed session, say, okay, that'll be an additional directed session fee. Um, I'm sure people do but i kind of feel like you can break down your invoice into session fee and usage fee so that they know if they have pickups you're charging another session fee but i mean i think it just kind of depends what do you think
1: yeah i mean all of that i think at one point i saw particularly at the start of the pandemic a lot of people who didn't have studios were trying to f- trying to charge like a studio fee <laughs> on top of their recording because they had to buy a bunch of equipment. And that like, well, I had to buy it. I'm not used to buying my own equipment. Um, and I don't think that really flew at all. And I get why it doesn't, because, you know, recording from home rolling out of bed and recording in your studio is much more convenient than getting in a car and driving to a studio parking having to arrive and also
0: when you go to another studio you can't do auditions in the middle of your job
1: (laughs) yeah that would be frowned upon (laughs) yeah (laughs) if you could somehow do that although i did i think one time i was i was in new york recording at lotus and i said would it be terribly rude to record an audition here before I leave? Because <laughs> I need to get this in asap, and they were because they're I did lovely. That they did this too.
0: They're so lovely. Yeah. <laughs> what is what is a frustration of yours when it comes to directed sessions?
1: Well, I'm very grateful for all my clients. Let's just start with that. I have a client who insists on doing a directed session for a very short script for every project that we do, and he offers no feedback. He's cool with my first take every single time. (laughs) And yet we still do a directed (laughs) session every single time. (laughs) Um, And I think, I don't know, I think he likes the tech or something and he just wants to chat. But but no, we do have a nice chat every time we do it. But um, I think probably the equivalent of this could have been an email. Yes. (laughs) Those kind of sessions. This could have been an email. What about you?
0: (laughs) Oh, my greatest frustration is when people treat me like I don't know what I'm doing, like this is my first oh, day in VO. Yeah. And that happens all the time where people where I'll get an engineer that gets on the session and they're like uh, like hi. So usually it's in the Source Connect test. They're like hi, so um can you tell me what equipment you're using? <laughs> And I'm like, okay, I'm using an, a Sennheiser MKH416. I'm in a nice Studio Brick sound booth. And they're like, okay, so just so you know, we're on a platform called Source Connect. <laughs> and what I'm going to do is I'm going to patch you into the Zoom with the client. Now, you're going to hear them talking in your headphones through Source Connect, but you're not in the Zoom. <laughs> I'm like. Oh my God. And then, then I'll even say yeah. like, oh, I know, I do like one to four sessions a day. And they're like, oh, okay, great. So what I'd like you to do if you can, is record a backup. It, only if you're comfortable with that. And I'm like yeah. yeah, yes, yes. Although I know that if this if that were my first session, I would be so grateful to that person.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, speaking of backups, I always record a backup, whether they ask for it or not. Oh, Um, yeah, me too. I just think it's good practice. And I just think sweeping into Save the Day if they have a tech meltdown is just, Uh it costs you nothing, you know.
0: Costs you nothing.
1: Hard drives are so cheap. Just stick stick the recording software on when you start your session and just don't worry about it. And then you can always delete it afterwards if everything's cool. Um, Yeah,
0: totally true. All right. So, my what do you want to hear my final thoughts about? Yes,
1: let's do that. Let's do that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My final thoughts about doing directed sessions are that you need to be extremely comfy. Like, you need to be really, really, you know, you know how to use your software. That's not an issue in your brain. You know that it's going to be mostly quiet. That's not an issue in your brain. You know how to use Source Connect. You know how to connect on Zoom. You know how to use all these platforms. That's not a problem in your brain so that you can just be an actor. Yeah. And if you can get people to practice with, if you can just practice on your own, if you can just like do a bunch of sessions all the time, that's the best way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's to get paid for your practice. But <laughs> the more you practice, and the more you learn about this stuff, and the more comfortable you get with it, the more you'll be able you'll be able to just act. Yeah, and also be at home to send your kids to school and do auditions and do all the other stuff, so you don't have to go into a studio, which takes so much time but is also lovely. I do love studios every once in a while.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I also think that there is often, for people that haven't done a lot of directed sessions, there is a perceived power imbalance, where in reality, we're all just trying to figure it all out together. We're all just, it's all a big collaborative process. And it's a sort of team operation to try and figure this puzzle out. And um you know, the more you go in open-minded and just open to play and experiment and and figure this out, rather than thinking you have to be like, you know, the, the well-performing little dancing puppet thing, I think it's a better session when you go in on a sort of more equal footing with the people that you're in. Yeah. Because they yeah. want you to succeed, you want to succeed, of course. A lot of the time for them, this is an, an abnormal thing. So they're kind of excited it's a fun thing for them to do to run a session if they're you know office people most of the time so I would say most sessions are kind of fun and um, embrace that because uh, we do a lot of work on our own in our little sort of sweaty booths (laughs) Um, so it's nice to be part of a team I think and and, you know try and figure stuff out as a group
0: I completely agree I love it (laughs) Thank you.